When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77 and also streaming live at YouTube.com and also at online with BillAlexander.com. Well, I hope you got to watch the movie tonight. We talked to Ben Lancaster last night about the movie, The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head about cryogenics and Walt Disney. It was it was enjoyable. I, I, I just got done watching it right before I came in the room, and I hope you got had a chance of watching it. And if not, you can you know, check it out at uh, my website, online with BillAlexander.com, and the links are uh, listed there for the trailer and also for the movie itself. But anyhow, enough about last night's program. Tonight's program, When I read about this, I thought it was interesting because I don't know if you guys know this or not. I am a new pet owner. My wife and I did something for my daughter for Christmas. However, we got the, 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 the animal per se just before Christmas. So we didn't have to worry about going through that transition at the holiday. And we got my daughter a German Shepherd Australian Shepherd mix. His name is Scout. And he's a handful, but we're going through obedience training and everything right now. So we're getting them calmed down, but that's why I thought it would be interesting to talk to this individual tonight. And on the phone line right now, I have Laura Voyer. Am I saying that right, Laura? That's right, Bill. It's like warrior with a V, warrior. <laughs> okay. And as I just told my audience and you heard too, that I just got an Australian shepherd German Shepherd mix, and it's been a while since I've had a dog, especially a very young dog in the house, and walking it is something new for me because the older dogs that I have, 
We have a fence yard. They do what they need to do. They roam the yard and everything else. This one, I got to keep going constantly. I mean, he's given me a workout and being 53 years old, that's tough. Absolutely. So you have a puppy on your hands. Yeah, just about seven months right now. Aw, that's the best time. And how is obedience training going? Uh, it made it through puppy training, went really well, and the trainer called me today and just to let me know that the basic class is starting in a week, and we'll be getting ready to do that. The only thing I think is interesting, and 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 the and the the, uh, the trainer told us that training the dogs are easy; it's training the owners that are difficult. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's always. The fault of the owner when the dog isn't trained because I do basic obedience training okay. and I can teach the dogs a bunch of hand signals and how to respond to clicker training and, you know, you hand it off to the owner and they always mess it up. I mean, they're not trying to mess it up, but what they do is they send mixed signals to the dog. You know, the wife will say, oh, I don't want him on the couch, okay? This is a new dog. We'll, we'll have a no-couch policy. Right. And then the wife goes to work and the husband's like, come on, boy, come on, come <laughs> up on the couch. So, you know, it's a mixed message and that confuses the dog and they don't know what to do, so they wind up doing what they want to do, right? Exactly. And what's interesting is my day job that I do occasionally is I'm a school teacher and I teach media communications to uh, students. And it's easier for me to train them than it is for me to train this dog. Right, absolutely. Well, the thing with training a puppy especially is consistency. Yeah. Consistency, 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 and that positive reinforcement because nothing says you did a good job like a tasty treat. <laughs> and to me, it's like I, I go into class, I'm with all these, other, all these other owners or parents as he calls them, and I feel intimidated because it's like, Everybody else seems like they have a much calmer dog than mine, and I realize that mine is a, a little bit younger than everyone else's. But just getting that, like you said, consistency down and doing it over and over again. From when we started to today, he's much better than he was. So that's a good sign, at least I think it is. Oh, and he'll continue to get better. You know, as they grow up and they get used to life and, oh, this is what you do and this is what you don't do, and especially if you have other dogs still in the household, they're going to show him the ropes even more than you're probably acknowledging because the older dogs have been around the block. They know the family routine. Yeah. They know what, you know, what, what, what's up and what's down. So they're going to kind of show Scout like, oh, you know, we don't. We don't do that. You know, oh, we do this. You know, we wait by the door. We go outside. We do our thing in the yard. We don't do that inside. So they kind of show him exactly what it's supposed to be to look like to be a good dog. Oh, I, I like that. So I should let the other two dogs, Jack and Mary, one's a, uh, one's a terrier mix and the other one is a Pomeranian mix, and just let them train the dog, and then I'll just wait until it's done, right? <laughs> well, as long as they don't have any bad habits, though. <laughs> Trust me, they do. That's the problem. Uh, but anyhow, let's let's talk about your book. It's it's um, it is the pet sitter's tale. What made you write this book? Well, what made me write the book was I had come out to Los Angeles from Chicago to become a um, film and television makeup artist. I had worked as a makeup artist in Chicago. But before that, I was in corporate sales my whole life. Okay. And when I kind of fell into dog walking and pet sitting because I was failing miserably as a makeup artist, um, 
I started telling the people that, you know, we're still in corporate sales back in Chicago, like, you know, I'm a dog walker and pet sitter, and they had never heard of such a thing. They were like, professionally, and do you get money for that? And what does a typical day look like? And have you lost your mind? Um, so I just kind of wrote the book for a lot of people who had no knowledge of a career as a pet sitter and dog walker like I didn't before I started, just to give them sort of, you know, a slice of life from what that kind of career looks like. It amazes me in 2019. Now, again, I don't know if it's just in the last 10 years, but the American culture has become, become especially enamored with dogs. And they're, oh, I mean, yeah. they're treating them like children for most. Of, I, I heard something the other day that it's one of the fastest growing markets in retail sales is buying stuff for your pets, especially dogs. And now that you have oh, someone absolutely. that I can call, I can actually do an app on my phone and I can have a dog walker come to my house, walk my dog, take pictures of my dogs, tell me what my dog's doing, and then leave it and then go on from there, which to me I think is amazing. Yep. It's on-demand dog walking. And, you know, honestly, I wish I had seen that coming because uh, I would have definitely gone and gotten some venture capital for my business because my big dream with the name of my business is your dog's best friend was to just franchise it. And while I was trying to figure out how to franchise it, you know, here comes these on-demand apps yeah. and these on-demand dog walkers. And I didn't really think that that would work. And we were talking before we got on the line about millennials and about different generations. So the people that I work with, my clients, they really can't accept a complete stranger coming to their house and taking their dog out and maybe even putting a lockbox on their door. Like, they can't wrap their minds around that. But now millennials, they're used to that. You right. know, they're used to, you know, um, you know, task grabbers. They're used to Lyft and Uber. They're, they're used to on-demand. They're used to using these apps. So, you know, you use an app and you're used to it, but I have clients and I'm too busy and I say, hey, you know, why don't you try this on-demand dog walker? And they're like, oh, no, I can never yeah. let a stranger come into my house. So it's, you know, it's a different mindset and it, it really is a it's a whole new world. I mean, this gig economy is here to stay. Yeah, it, it amazes me. Now, you said you've been doing this 15 years. Yes. Did someone approach you with it saying, hey, I need you to take care of my dog, and then you thought it was a great idea? Or did you start seeing what was going on in the California area and saying, you know what, this may be a job that I could that I could do? No, it was completely serendipitous. It was totally accidental. So I was a film um, and uh, television um, makeup artist, and I was struggling, like I'd mentioned out here in L.A., I happened to be working on a movie set with a gal who was, doing a scene and she had her dog in the trailer and mm -hmm. she was going off to do the scene she said hey while you're hanging out will you walk my dog on the lot make sure it does its business i said sure she said you know what i'll give you a little extra money for that and i said oh you don't have to she said no no you're gonna walk them and i'll pay you i said great so i started to walk her dog on the on the lot and you know i was kind of like avoiding people i didn't want anyone to go hey who are you and why do you have a dog on the lot and right. where's your credentials I was kind of really serious about not getting in anyone's way and just really, really walking the dog um, kind of determinedly because I wanted to walk it, have its business done, and get back to the trailer. And walking along, and out of another trailer comes the comedian Paula Poundstone. Oh, okay. And I recognized her right away. 
And uh, I said to myself, okay, don't, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. But she came marching over to me, and she said, hey, cute dog. And I said, oh, thank you. And we started making small talk about the dog. And then, you know, I was kind of like keeping to myself, not, not too talky. And then all of a sudden she just says, hey, are you a professional dog walker? And I said, oh, my gosh, here's my chance. I could tell her I'm a makeup artist, but I know where that's going. Right. Or I could just tell her I'm a dog walker. And so I said, um, yeah, yeah, I'm a professional <laughs> dog walker. She said, you know, I really, I really could use one of those. And uh, what do you charge? And I was like, oh, geez, I don't know. What should I charge? So I just came up with a number that just made sense to me at the time. Right. And she said, that sounds good. When can you start? And I said, uh, today, can I start today? I can come over later. You can pay me for the first week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, that's how it started. It was like just uh, the universe really answering my prayer to, like, give me something else because uh, it's, you know, it's it's really going down the drain here. And it did. (laughs) It just, it happened so quickly. I started going to Paula's every day, walk her dog. Her neighbors noticed, called up Paula, said, is that a professional dog walker? And, you know, the thing, people were not doing it professionally, Bill. People were getting their kids or right. their neighborhood kids to do it or a teenager that they knew or someone that owed you a favor. You know, so a lot of flakiness. And then right place, right time, started started a business and started hiring people, and it just grew and grew and grew. So do you still walk Paula's dog? No, I don't. I don't know what happened to Paula's dog. His name was Cal, though, but I'll never forget. She said, hey, can you walk my dog, Cal? And I said, sure. I didn't think, oh, he's going to be a big, you know, (laughs) a big, aggressive dog. Or I just thought, well, he's just a dog. I can handle it. No problem. Um, We go, and I go to our house, and we're in the backyard. And she goes, okay, I'm going to let him out now. And I go, (laughs) okay. She goes, okay, um, you know, get ready. And I'm like, get ready. (laughs) He's like a miniature horse, just like just <laughs> coming at me, and I'm like, oh my god! And Paula's like, you just brace yourself, and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, but you're a professional, you know what to do. And I'm like, oh god, just don't let me die. <laughs> and and I just remember she's like, you can walk him, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. But then I couldn't figure out how to put the harness on, and right. he wiggled out, and it was just a big, big thing. And she she let me walk him. You know, I never I never really saw her that much after that. And that happens a lot with clients. You meet them the first time, they give you the keys, they show you the dog, and you're off and running. So how many, I mean, you you met her and there's neighbors of hers. How many people do you walk right now? Because you mentioned you have a staff, correct? Yeah, there's about uh, a dozen people that work for me. Some of them work full-time. Some of them just walk a couple dogs a day. You know, it's a perfect job for someone who's going to night school or online school or does something else, or, you know, maybe retired, a retired guy, and he just loves pets and likes to be outside. So it, it fits so many lifestyles. And, and again, I just I just find that amazing. So once you started walking dogs professionally, did you realize that you really had no clue what you were doing? It was just just you were learning uh, learning as you go, or did you do some type of behavioral studies with animals? Well, I did realize that I was winging it, no doubt. Um, but I had dogs when I was growing up, and I, I had two big labs, and I did walk them. But what I did was I went to a, a community college, and I took some classes on basic obedience training. Okay. 
And I watched a ton of videos because it was at the same time that Caesar, you know, that he was kind of getting, and actually we had gone on a couple walks together, he was kind of getting notoriety and people were looking Caesar's way and Caesar Milan and he was, you know, the dog whisperer. So I would start to watch what he was doing. So I had a lot of role models and um, I was just really able to uh, do a lot of research and, and on-the-job training, you know, it, it is kind of like somebody said to me snidely, well, it's unskilled labor. And I said, well, it is until somebody loses your dog, right? Um, so <laughs> I just kind of taught myself it was easy to become self-taught and then just kept doing it because I love the dogs. I mean, the dogs are the best part about the job. So you're actually able to make a full-time business out of this. You have a full-time staff. Did you ever think you'd get to this point in 15 years? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's one of these things where you can make it as, as big as you want it to be and as much as you're willing to involve yourself with independent contractors right. and different locations. I mean, because there's so many services that you can offer and there's so many different ways that you can offer the services and different business models. So my model is the one-on-one private dog walking. So okay. I don't fill up a van of dogs and take them on an off-leash hike near the beach. I don't do that. I just wouldn't enjoy that. That would be too nerve-wracking for me. Oh, yeah. But there are companies that do that. You know, they get a van, and they pick up the dogs, and they all load them in the van, and then they go somewhere, and they open up the doors, and the dogs go running, and then two hours later, they get back in the van, and they're all supposed to show up, and they all get delivered. Um, That's not what I do. I do the private one-on-one dog walks in the neighborhood. Okay. And then I offer the basic obedience training, the overnight stays, um, the pet sits, the trips to the vet, the trips to the groomer, and a bunch of other ancillary sort of services. So everybody does something a little bit different. So you do walk them in their neighborhood. So it's something they're familiar with. You're not taking them somewhere else. So that way they are familiar with their surroundings. Absolutely. And you know, I I don't enjoy particularly um, transporting the pets because some dogs don't like car rides and some dogs, you know, they're they're nervous. It it makes them nervous to be in the car. It gives them anxiety. And out in LA, the traffic is so miserable. You're going to spend a lot of time getting to where you're going instead of just walking the dog. So unless... They live, like I've had clients who live up in the hills or, you know, there's nowhere to walk and you have to drive a little ways to walk the dog. But I walk the dogs where they live and they seem to enjoy that because they know their neighborhood, they see their buddies on the walk and they can anticipate where they're going and it's fun like that. So have you ever ran into a situation where there was a dog you just couldn't walk or just wasn't able to follow basic commands? You know... It's an anomaly when it happens. You know, you have a couple of dogs that are maybe aggressive. They pull on the leash. They're jumping. They're they're just not trained whatsoever. And I'll try and work with them. It's maybe one or two times in 15 years that I've had to go to a client, look at, you know, your dog needs a little more training before they can go on walks. Okay. They're just not right, you know. They're a little bit goofy. <laughs> Now, you made a comment about taking them to vet appointments. I think that'd be a wonderful thing if I could find someone to take mine to the vet. Oh, I'm sure they would. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know if you're using WAG or if you're using um, Rover, but, oh, you can get them to do anything. Or even somebody from TaskRabbit, you know, these on-demand apps, you can have anybody do anything, really. Um, I have gone to a lot of vet appointments. I have gone to the groomer a lot. I've 
taking dogs to the airport. So, oh, yeah, any ancillary service that somebody might need, I've been able to accommodate them. And that is really convenient for the client because if you're working and you've got to run the airport and your dog's going on a trip with you, you can't necessarily go home and get your dog and go back to the airport. So I've done that a couple times, sure. Now, my question is, because my dog, Scout, who is seven months old, gets car sick. How do I help him get through that? Because he can drive for about 45 minutes. He's perfectly fine. That last five minutes, we're not we're close to home. We're not even there yet, and it's just all over the back seat. Oh, no. Well, you know, there's a couple things for that because you can give him medication for that. You can ask your vet for anti-car sickness medicine. And there's over-the-counter stuff like Dramamine that you can give him. But ask your vet because uh, you you don't have to deal with that. You can definitely give them something to calm their stomach so they won't be, you know, ruining your upholstery. Because, uh, and I did ask my vet and he told me what to use, but I don't know if I feel comfortable giving them medication. Um, but I guess it's like anything else. You give it for um, any other issues they're having. So I guess that's okay. Um, the pets that you deal with, um, have you found it easier to walk male or walk female animals? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. You know what? It really doesn't make a difference. It's really that dog. Okay. You know, they're kind of like each individual. So I've walked, you know, the, the female dogs, and they're little, and they're cute, and they're great. And then I've had the big, you know, boxers and the pit bulls, and they're stronger, and they're not so great. But then I've had the opposite where I've had a huge Great Dane, and inside, he thinks he's a tiny chihuahua. He's scared of other dogs. <laughs> jumps at his own shadow. You know, right? You know the type. And then I've walked, you know, little little chihuahuas who feel like, you know, they want to challenge the biggest dog right. at the park. And they want to take on the biggest dog or the German Shepherd. And, you know, they're, they're big on the inside. So it just doesn't matter. Like, they're all individuals. They all have individual, unique character personalities and quirks. So is there any stories that you tell people when they say, okay, tell me about what you do that are unique stories? Well, sure, there's a couple. So everyone loves their pets, right? Yeah. But, you know, celebrities love them, and they have a boatload more money. Of course. You know, I know celebrities who've had their dogs, you know, go on private jets, cross-country, or they get their nails nails done, they shut down a whole entire spa, just so their dogs can have a spa day. Oh, they have weddings for their dogs and birthday parties for their dogs. But a lot of them do things that I don't think regular people do, such as sing songs to their pets while they're eating uh, in hopes that that will help their digestion or have their personal chef prepare the dog's meals. Um, And just, you know, quirky stuff like, oh, can you... Pretend this comes out of the oven because the dog won't eat it unless he thinks it's been warmed up like the human food. And I'm starting to see that a lot where dogs kind of are connecting the dots between the oven and, you know, the good stuff. Gotcha. So they want their food to come out of the oven. So that kind of stuff. My dog right now, even if it's outside, the door is closed. If he hears us getting ready to give him food, he comes darting towards the door. And I think if he could, he'd be running through the door. Because it, 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 oh, the, yeah. the keen sense of hearing just amazes me that, that, that they're able to hear it. And again, it, you're right. I can't tell you. Yeah, how many times my dog, he's a senior now, have has run through the screen door because he hears somebody open the fridge. Yeah. And you know what? He's obsessed with cold cuts. 
So if he thinks you're opening like that, that, you know, cellophane cold cut, if he thinks it's, you know, salami or bologna, whatever, cheese, yeah. oh, my God, he doesn't even look where he's going. He just drops whatever he's doing, and he comes bolting <laughs> in the house, and he's run and knocked the screen so many times, and I always tell my husband, you got to fix the screen. He's like, what happened? I'm like, what do you think what happened? <laughs> the dog ran through it. You know, he <laughs> hasn't caught on after 14 years. There's a screen there, Tommy. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> but right. He just, you know, right. You know, he's just singularly focused. And and because they hear that, the the one we have right now, because it's a scout is just a character in itself, that we have um, three older cats that live in the house also. And he, oh, you're brave. Oh, you know what? I was, that was one of the reasons why I told my wife I wasn't going to do a dog until the cats were no longer here. But my daughter convinced us that she was 11. She wanted a puppy. We said that she could have one when she was 10, when she asked us six years ago, because I thought 10 was so far away. And, <laughs> and, and what ended up happening? 10 got here quicker than I thought. And we pushed it off another year. Well, the funny thing is, the one cat is the dominant cat in the house. We've had the cat for 18 years. She was not about to put up with the dog for one or two days. She would swat at his nose. He'd call back. Now they're the bestest of friends. I mean, this is like, hey, I wish I would have done this sooner. But uh, oh, that is so sweet. And they actually, and and uh, the other two, one of them, he actually plays with that. The, he, the cat just lays there, and he paws it, and it paws back, and, and they roll around with each other. And again, I never thought I'd see that happen. I only see it on YouTube videos where the dogs and the cats are getting along with each other. I never thought I'd see it in my living room. So, again, it, it is it is unique. They're very special. They're very special creatures, and they've become part of our families. Um, when, you, when someone says to you, I want to be a dog walker or a pet sitter, what advice do you have for them? Well, first of all, you I always ask them, do you like pets? <laughs> you know, because it's not something that you do if you don't like pets. Right. Because, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of stuff that's unpleasant. You know, you're picking up and oh, cleaning yeah. up and, you know, it's not glamorous. Um, so if you like pets and the passion's there and you love animals, you know, the great thing about this industry is, you know, there is really a low barrier to entry. You don't have to have a lot of money you don't have to do a lot of marketing you can start exactly where you are and it would be great if you had your own pet because what I tell people to do is take your dog to the dog park and talk to other people let them know you're a dog walker or a pet sitter make yourself a little business card it doesn't have to be expensive and just go out there and talk to people you know get some references start with your family and friends it's an easy business. It's an easy business to grow, and it's an easy business to stay busy at. So if you wanted to just be yourself, you know, I know a lot of people who just do it on their own. They don't hire other people. They just do it when they want to make extra money or right. spend time with the animals. And it's it's easy. You just got to love it. It's like anything else. So when you walk the pets, are the majority of the animals you're dealing with spayed and neutered, or, or they're not? Because I can imagine running into a problem with that. Yes, the majority are, and as a matter of fact, when I do the private boarding in my house, I don't take dogs that aren't spayed or neutered. It's okay. just because you get one who's not, and then they all act, you know, goofy, right. and it's troubling. And, you know, so if a dog isn't neutered and then he's on a walk, the other dogs know that. Yes. And they all get a little more worked up, you know, they get a little more aggressive. So 
Um, the majority, I'd say 95% are spayed and neutered. You have that 5% they are like, ah, oh, I might breed my dog. But, you know, that's a personal choice. But I, I do encourage people to um, spay and neuter, absolutely. Um, you, you said that, and I just heard you say that you, you board them in your home. Yeah, I do boarding in my house. So I don't have a facility, and I only take about six dogs at a time. So I do have um, a big yard and a dog run, so I do um, private boarding in my house. So you're able to handle six at a time. How big's your house? Oh, I have a pretty big house, about 2,500 square feet, but then I have a big yard, okay. and I have a big dog room, which is right off the side, like the side of the house, so they can come in and out of there. And you know, I used to take all sorts of dogs, big dogs, boxers, and, you know, goldens, and, you know, and I love them. But as I've gotten wiser and I've been doing this for longer, I've started to uh, make a 45-pound limit on the dogs okay. that I take because a bigger dog takes up, you know, more, more of the space, house, let's yeah. face it. So do you crate them or do they have free run? They have free roam. So what I tell my clients is, if you don't crate them, neither will I. But if you want me to crate them, then you must bring the crate. Because, you know, it's not, I don't have, you know, a, a commercial facility where it's crates from, you know, floor right. to ceiling. I want it to be a home environment. And I'm always booked, and people always refer me. And, you know, sometimes I have to turn people away because I don't have room for them because I have my regulars. And everybody knows everybody else. So a lot of dogs have been together with this dog and that dog. So it's like a camp. Okay, because uh, that that sounds interesting. Because when I think of when I think of boarding, and I've had boarded other dogs in the past, I think of these rooms that have these these uh, crates everywhere, or these small areas that are crated off where they don't have interaction with the dog other dogs until like there's a, a mutual playtime or whatever whatever would be. But I think your idea is better because it'd be much calmer and less stressful for the dogs. Oh, it's great. They love it. I mean, they come with their beds. We put their beds down. You know, the ones that need to sleep in the bed, they can sleep in the bed with us. They have free room of the house. You know, everybody gets walked. Everybody gets fed. You know, it's it's really nice. A lot of people really like Wait. that service because it's a home. It's a home-based service, and you're in house so what i tell my clients is you know i'm going to do what you do except at my house so if you let them on the couch they can go on my couch so, if you let them on the bed they can go on my bed so you know they're spoiled here if they're spoiled at home they're spoiled here okay question for you you just said they sleep in the bed with you yes how many do, do you let sleep in the bed at one time well, my dog Dexter sleeps with us every night, but you know, three or four usually that would probably max out the. I mean, you know, my husband doesn't like it. I was going <laughs> to say, say. <laughs> he really doesn't like it. No, he really doesn't like it. You know, it's funny when we first got married. This is a couple of years ago. Dexter would always sleep at the corner at the end of the bed where my feet are. Okay, and then over the last few years, he's he's kind of like army crawled his way up and now he just comes to bed and he hops on the pillow and he sleeps right next to me and my husband you know reach over for me in the morning and he'll touch dexter and he'll go god you know i don't like feeling the dog when i'm trying to put my arms around you in the morning he's like it's just i really don't like that <laughs> it really ticks him off and i i try and anticipate it so when i know you know we're getting up i'll push the dog down but if he touches the dog in the morning it really it sets his whole day off on a bad way <laughs> I, I i i'm just amazed that you guys are able to get sleep at night 
if you have a few dogs <laughs> oh, sleeping in bed sleep. with you. They all sleep. I mean, that just, uh, I, I, okay, that's just really interesting. I can't even convince my dog to go upstairs. He stands at the bottom of the steps, he looks at us go up, and he just looks at us like, I can't figure out how to walk up these things yet. <laughs> He'll learn soon enough. That's the puppy scout, right? Well, yeah, it's Scott. But the best part is you we have steps to get in the back of the house. He can figure out how to walk up those, but he can't walk up the steps to go to the second floor. So, oh, well, getting up isn't the problem. It's teaching them how to get down. Oh, he, you don't want him to fall well, down and get hurt. No, he can get down. I'll tell you that much. He can get down quickly. Because um, we'll, <laughs> we'll take him up because we've tried that because at night we no longer cage him. And we let him have free run of the house downstairs. So my oldest son is in college now. Um, he is a freshman at a local university and he's staying at home. So he has a, his bedroom down here. And then my other two kids are upstairs, and my wife and I are upstairs, and the dog has free roam downstairs. It's just that we kind of figured that he would actually gravitate upstairs, and and he hasn't done it yet. We're really surprised. Aw, that's nice. He likes hanging out with your son, then. Yeah, well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my son's not too thrilled. My son's a theater major at the local university, a musical theater major, so he's coming home late after rehearsals and stuff, so he's exhausted. But the course, that's when the dog wants to play. So. Oh, absolutely. That's that's when they're wide awake. Yeah. That's why when you're yeah. trying to sneak in, they're like, whoa, whoa, what? What's that? <laughs> so the book, yeah. the book. How long did it take you to write the book? Oh gosh, too long. I, you know, I was writing it as I was going along because I, I never was a professional writer before, so I, you know, didn't have any training. So it. It took a while to write the book, um, and I'm a terrible typist, too. Uh, so, yes, I um, read a long time, let's just say. I read that in the beginning of your book when your mother suggested that you would be a, a secretary, learn typing, and marry someone rich. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and, and the whole idea with the popsicle stick I thought was quite interesting, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, I wrapped my finger up. Oh, my God, thank God I did that. Yeah, because that was, I mean, you know, listen, we talked about we're kind of the same age. So, you know, that was 86. I graduated, trying to get a job. People were looking at women and going, how fast can you type? And I couldn't type. You know, I was a terrible typist, but I wanted a good job. And I thought, well, typing's not going to stop me. So I just you know, wrap my finger up and just said, oh, I can't take the typing test. You know, I was doing good on all the other things. Right. And, uh, well, what do you type? And I said, oh, I don't know. Like, I was like, what's good? 95 words a minute. Oh, can you take the test? Oh, no, my finger is hurt. Well, the lady said, how'd you hurt your finger? I said, uh, my dog did it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got the job. I'll never forget it. And I didn't have to type that much. Thank goodness. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, uh, you're listening to WMCK.FM and also watching us on Fayette TV Channel 77. We're talking to uh, Laura. I Say your last name for me, Laura, because I get... Vorier? Vorier, that's it. You're right. And we're talking about her book, <laughs> The Pet Sitter's Tale. It's been a long day. Um, I, I know about the typing thing. When I went to college in the uh, mid-'80s, I was told that... Because I can't type either. I was told to find a girlfriend that could type, and then you'd be in better shape. <laughs> I ended up marrying her, and we've been married ever since. So it worked out real well for That's me. That's wonderful. I have, I have That's my own. Wonderful. I have my own typist. Um, she doesn't like to hear that either. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so the whole idea of the book, 
it was just stories that you were, they were situations you were dealing with and you thought, hey, this would be a great idea to put it down on paper. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, you know, I also wanted to illustrate to people, pets are our family. It's right. okay to love them. You know, they love us unconditionally. Listen, they don't screw us over. And, you know, a lot of people, especially in L.A., they come out here, they don't have family, they don't have friends. It's it's hard to get your footing here. I don't know if a lot of cities are like this, but especially if you're going after your dream. And, you know, once you're past eight or nine, it's difficult to make friends. So right. you get yourself a pet, and the pet becomes your life. And I just wanted to illustrate to people that, hey, that's okay, that's normal. It happens a lot. So have, have you? Have, has there been a client that you've dealt with a pet for many years, and unfortunately the, the pet has passed away? And you've gone through a grieving because you've lost that. Uh, I mean, it may be a client, but it's still part of the family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was one of the final chapters in my book. It's called Your Dog Died. And um, it's about a pet that passed away while I was watching it. Oh. And I uh, didn't see that coming. Got so used to people scheduling that and just kind of forgot that. It could happen right. without you taking the initiative to see that through. And uh, that's that's so sad. But you know what's worse than them dying is uh, getting fired, getting fired from a job. And, you know, this happened um, a, cu- a couple. I had worked for them for a couple of years, and they had gotten a puppy, and then they hired me. And, you know, it was a great dog and a sweet dog and a cute dog and, you know, when I was walking her, people would say, cute dog, and I wouldn't say, oh, I'm a dog walker, here's my card. I'd just say, thank you. Right. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to push it. I just loved the dog. It was Gigi, and she was just, just the sweetest dog. And um, I went there on a Friday once after the walk, and I said, hey, you know, I'll see you guys Monday. They said, yeah, you know, we're, you know, we're breaking up, we're getting divorced, and we're moving out of this house, so we're probably not going to need you anymore. And I said, What? Uh, you know, I was just so devastated. I just remember just starting to cry and saying, uh-huh. but, you know, what about what about Gigi? What about me? Oh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I said, well, I'd still love to walk her. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're not really focusing on that right now. And I was just like, well, I just want to say goodbye one more time. It was really sad, and it, it really was... Um, difficult for me because you know I, I spent a lot of time with the dog and I kind of thought of her as my own right. at least during that time and it was it was it hurt that 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 hurt a lot you know that was that was that was tough do you have a do you have a situation and that actually brings up my next question where you've walked a dog for years and then something happens and you can no longer do it um because of something the dog did or something the owner did or whatever, because I can see you doing this as a long-term thing unless the owner terminates it. But have you ever had to terminate one? Um, no, not really. Um, I've had, in the last few years, I've had two clients that I thought were doing a disservice to their dog. One was overfeeding her dog to the point of the dog was too obese to exercise okay. and in 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 along with that combination with that is the house was disgusting she was a hoarder and the house smelled the dog was obese and the house smelled and she had cameras everywhere so you could go into her smelly house and try not to hold your nose right right and the dog was just uh, so obese and i wound up 
uh, telling her that she was going to be a little out of my service area and giving her to another dog walker, like a competitor, who I was like, here, I'll give you a client. You know, we always refer clients to each other. I said, right. you're going to love this lady. She's great. And uh, <laughs> I just, just tossed her one. Um, I don't know what happened, but she said, hey, hey Laura, thanks for the client. I, I'm a little slow right now. I said, oh, it's going to be great. Right. Wait to see this place. Um, so that was something that comes to mind. But no, not too many times because, as you probably realize, when you're in the service industry, you know, you don't fire too many clients. Well, you're right. You're trying to keep clients, Bill. <laughs> oh, trust me. I know. And you're one- trying to keep them. And what, and and being on the uh, being on the other end, once you find someone that you can trust, you don't want to let them go, because it's very hard to find someone and get used to someone again to be able to t- fulfill that service that someone else was doing for so well, and so long. Oh, I know. You know that's happened to me to that point. You know, I had a client; she was great, and I always tell my clients, you know, I love referrals, and I give them a little bonus. So, if you give me a referral, then I'll give you a week of free dog walking if it works out. You know, so I always offer incentives to clients to give me referrals because that helps me. I have this one client, and I would say, hey, you know, if you know anyone, oh, I'm not. I'm not sharing you with anyone. That's what she would say. Because then when I need you, you're not going to be available because they'll be using you. So uh, you can count me out on that. And she just told me straight up no. (laughs) Well, does she understand that you have more hours in the day than the one or two that you deal with her dog? (laughs) Did she understand that? Some people just think about themselves. Have you ever met someone like that, Bill? <laughs> I've met a few people like that. I work with one or two of them too. Um, but <laughs> not to mention any names, because um, I, I know that because with uh, my family, because we have our dog, my sister in law and her family have a. Um, uh, oh heck! Why did I just? It's, it's a. They refer to it as a bird dog. Why can't I think of the name of it? Um, a Springer Spaniel. Okay. And he thinks that he is a house cat because when he comes in the house after his walk, he lays on the back of the couch. The dog weighs oh. almost 100 pounds and doesn't realize that he's oh, not boy. a cat. Um, but when we find things, we refer each other back and forth like we find a kennel or a vet or whatever it is because, again, you want to trust somebody's opinion on what it is because those are people that you do. Now, with with the clientele that you have, and if they're not referring to you, they do they talk about you on social media going, hey, dog came back, great walk, thankful for Laura who did this for me. Do they share it that way? Uh, yes, most of them absolutely do, absolutely do. So, you know, one or two clients, you know, they're the anomalies. They don't want to share it. They don't want to say anything on social media. Right. And that's that's fine. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're the exception, not the rule. Most people happy to refer, hey, can I get the free walk because I referred you to somebody and, you know, I can't help that they don't live here. Um, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like you gotta, that. You've got to accommodate your clients, you know, you and this is a competitive business. Now, you got people on demand. you got the gig economy. Right. You know, I'm lucky I've been in business for a long time, so I get referrals. I mean. I have some families who are on their third set of dogs with, you know, really? and they've ha- hired me and their dogs were seniors and then they got puppies and now mm-hmm. the puppies are gone and now they got puppies again. So, yeah, you know, you stay with anything long enough and you'll get there. Because that, that's interesting. And you said you have employees that you have walk. 
Do people request certain dog walkers um, or whenever? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because that, I, that was the other thing I was thinking about, too, going, do you, do you mix it up every once in a while or do they get the same one over and over again? They get the same one, and they like that. They get the same one. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, my pet doesn't like guys. My pet doesn't like guys. My pet doesn't like, you know, guys that wear baseball hats. My pet doesn't like tucked-in shirts. My pet doesn't like white gym <laughs> shoes. You know, they all got these. Really? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but I have mostly female dog walkers, okay. and it just works out because they are, in most people's opinions, more nurturing and a little more compassion in in the opinion of the client and then you know i have this case where i had this guy dog walker and he was going to my client's house and leaving their toilet seat up all the time and the guy called me the husband called me and said your dog walker was here he used their bathroom he left the seat up and i don't do that and i wish he wouldn't do that can you tell him not to do that and i said oh my gosh yes of course i'll mention it well you know then i call my dog walker and say you're doing a great job except when you use the client's toilet you know, can you put the lid down? And then the very next day, the client calls me again. Can you give me a woman dog walker? Because this guy always leaves the seat up and it's really bugging me. It's bugging my wife. I said, of course. So you have all these ancillary things that go on that, you know, you don't think of. You just think someone's going to walk the dog from point A to point B right. and bring him back, and that's the end of it. But there's so many more things that can happen. Have you ever had a walker get injured on the job for walking a dog? Oh, boy, I haven't. Um, thank goodness. But I did have a dog walker who was new, and she was walking a dog, and a dog that was off leash, like a stray dog, yeah. ran up and tried to bite the dog she was walking, and she tried to stop it, and she put her hand in between the two of them, and she got bit by the stray dog. Okay. Um, in a situation, you mentioned the woman that had cameras in her home. Do all do a lot of your clients have camera in the ha- home so they can actually keep an tr- eye on what the dog's doing and when you come in and whenever you come out and make sure that the, everything is safe and secure while you're there and when you're not there? Yes, more often than not. You know, there's no expectation of privacy. And I used to never ask clients, oh, do you have cameras? But everyone seems to have that doorbell where, yes. you know, they can, I don't want to call it spying, but they can see you. They can see what time you come in. You know, as soon as there's activity or motion at the door, then they get a video right. on their phone that says, hey, you know, this is your dog walker, and they're there. And they know if you took the dogs out, they know if you don't. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Big Brother where people know. I mean, there's no faking it. You know, it used to be if somebody didn't have a camera and somebody wanted to be dishonest, they could go to someone's house, which this is what happened to me in the beginning, go to someone's house, make a sandwich, you know, hang out at their house, use their Wi-Fi, and say, hey, you know, dog had a great walk by, and they wouldn't know. But right. now there's cameras, there's motion detectors, there's alarm systems, there's that ring and the nest, whatever you got. So, yeah, people people are more privy to what's really happening in their homes when they're not there, Absolutely. Because I'm one of those pet owners that actually has a camera above my dog's crate. So whenever I'm not here, I can keep an eye on it and I can talk to him, which really freaks the dog out when he starts hearing my voice and has no idea where I'm at. 
circulation up there than on the floor isn't it crazy it was this huge weimaraner she's like you know oh, that's I always wondered, like, funny why is weimaraner here on the table i don't understand it and she got the camera and she's like yeah it takes it takes a nap right on the dining room table can you believe it oh that, i mean can you believe that that is hilarious i mean really i would yeah. have never imagined that so any other stories in the book that come to mind that uh, stand out you know, just how much people love the dogs and just how much they really are giving us unconditional love. And a lot of times taking the place of, you know, the children or the spouse that we don't have. Another story that's in the book is about a woman who didn't have any human kids and she had two little dogs and she would put them in backpacks and put them in strollers. And, you know, they were really neurotic, just like little balls of energy and nerves and you know she took him to the vet and said what's wrong with them there was separation anxiety right. they're always whining and barking and they had to go on Prozac <laughs> and the vet said you know what you're putting too much pressure on them they're not really babies you right. know that right <laughs> that's that's interesting they had I to go on doggy downers <laughs> doggy downers I never heard that before um but that uh, that uh, that uh, but that's really interesting because um, a lot of people, especially where I'm at, I'm in southwestern Pennsylvania, just south of the city of Pittsburgh. And um, we are noticing an increase in therapeutic dogs that people are carrying them into retail establishments, which we never saw five years ago. Now everybody has a dog with them in a shopping buggy or cart because it helps them calm down. And I'm wondering if that's true or is that because the owner can't separate themselves from the dog and not the other way around? Because to me, I, I, it just seems like there's an increase of people taking advantage of this of this system of having um, of emotional support dogs. Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm one of those people. I mean, I, here, um, my husband, he's in the film industry, had to go on location for three months and we uh -huh. got relocated down so I said, all right, well, what are we going to do about Dexter? I mean, I can't leave him here for three months, and, you know, I can't put him in storage on the plane. He's old. What right. am I going to do? I, I'll drive him there. I don't want to drive him there. He doesn't like the car. I'll be in the car with him for five days. That's I, What should I do? So I went to my vet, and she said, you know, he's small. He's well-behaved. Why don't you make him an emotional support animal? And I said, well, what do I have to do? And she said, well, you have to say that. You're better off with him than without him, and he helps you, and you have to go see a mental health provider, and then you have to go to a trainer, and then you, you know, you have to jump through right. certain hoops and, and, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's. Well, 
couple weeks later, I'd done everything, and I got a letter saying, you know, he's a certified emotional support animal, and I didn't get him the um, the 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 thing to wear the vest because he's not, you know, he's not like a, a, a guide dog right. or a dog that's seeing eye or hearing dog. That's different. But he's an emotional support animal, and I took him on the plane with me, and he was great. You know, he was he was fine. And then we were there for a couple months, and then he was on the plane back, and that was it. That's all I needed it for because I didn't want to stick him underneath right. in in um, steerage because he wouldn't make it. You know, I know he wouldn't. He, he would have died of fright. Right. He's a little dog, and he's old. I don't think he would have made it. So it was the only choice for me. Now, I don't take him into stores or schools where maybe he could go, but, you know, I just needed it for that one thing, um, taking, you know, the pet's, on planes and into stores and stuff. Listen, if they're well-behaved, they're not causing any trouble or leaving messes behind or biting anyone, why not? But you saw that story about somebody had an emotional support peacock and yes. they want to bring him on a plane. You know, it's getting a little ridiculous. And, and did anybody question that a dog walker and pet sitter needed an, uh, need an emotional support dog? No. <laughs> No, because <laughs> it's like she has eighteen of them that she deals with on a regular basis, but she needs her one special <laughs> dog. Um, no, but I understand why you needed it for him, for his safety and everything else, and I understand that. So, are there any famous clients that you can actually mention that you had other than Paula Poundstone? Uh, Dr. Dre, he was probably my most famous, really infamous client. Yes, he was client for many, many years, and uh, you know. As you can imagine, he has a lot of security, and I remember when I first started working for him, his security would follow me, and oh. I would say, well, what's, what's going on? Do you not trust me? And they're like, oh, no, we just want to make sure the dog doesn't get kidnapped. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. <laughs> so if that's the case, why don't I, you just walk it? Yeah, I know. No. <laughs> But a funny story is, I saw the security guard at the mall once. He was sitting on a chair holding a woman's purse. I said, what's going on? He goes, oh, Mrs. Dre is shopping. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Again, just, just interesting to me that Dr. Dre needed a dog walker, and uh, you were lucky enough to be it. I bet you he pays well, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the great thing about having celebrity clients. You know, I have a good story about Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey was one of my clients many, many, many years ago. And he always had these rescue dogs and he would rehabilitate them. And it didn't matter, you know, what it cost. You know, he built a pool for his one dog to be able to swim in to help its leg. I mean, he didn't he didn't care about the money. So I went and I said, uh, you know, I do daily dog walking and it's private. And he said, well, what do you charge? I said, well, you know, it's $25. It's $25 more. And I said, more? And he said, more. And I said, okay, well, 30 He's like, no, more, more. And I said, oh, I don't know, $50? So I was like, well, what would you pay for it? More, just more. It's just so generous, you know. And that's how a lot of them are very generous, you know. And those are the ones you want. <laughs> right. Oh, of course. Was this before or after Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? Oh, it was before. Oh, okay. And, sp before. and speaking of speaking of dogs, someone just came in and joined me. He's sitting by my feet right now. So, uh, 
I didn't think he Is realized. Scout? Yeah, Scout's here right now. I didn't realize he was uh, knew where I was, but he just uh, joined me uh, as <laughs> as part of the interview tonight, which is kind of interesting. Um, but uh, no, I think that's interesting, and, and that a lot of your clients do treat the animals well, and if they treat the animals well, that means they're treating you well, also, and your oh, other, other employees. Uh, but again. I still think it's amazing that you had Paul Poundstone. I really do. I, I think <laughs> I think that's fascinating because I just love Paul. Oh, she's, she's hysterical. She's hysterical. You know, um, I don't want to use bad language on your show, but when we first start to talk and she said, are you a professional dog walker? And she said, good, I need I need one because my dog is a real a-hole. <laughs> I feel so great. <laughs> I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say that right then and there would have would have been the uh, the key to start walking the other direction or rethinking that career choice. Um, but but with the whole idea of the book, have you noticed success with the book? Uh, yeah, I, I think people are re- responding well to the book. You know, they they like reading about pets, and there's pictures in there. So, you know, some people don't like to read, and they look at the pictures. pictures. Like, wow, these pictures are really great. <laughs> so how long is how long has the book been out on the market? Um, the audio book just came out, and then um, the written book has been out for just a little over a year. Okay. And we'll be actually giving away the book sometime next week uh, whenever we receive it, which if uh, you guys are listening, we'll give you the criteria of how you're going to be able to get a copy of uh, A Pet Sitter's Tale, which I'm looking forward to receiving. And uh, Laura, I really appreciate this. I had, a, I had a really nice time. Are you planning on writing anything else? Uh, a screenplay, yes. Oh, really? I'm going to make the move the the book into a movie, a major motion picture. Yes. So who 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 would play you? That's the question. You know what? I oh, people love this. This is a great game, isn't it? But somebody said uh, Melissa McCarthy. I love her. Okay. I, w- I would love Melissa McCarthy to do it. Um, Amy Schumer, uh, Renee Zelliger, somebody told me the other day. Um, anybody funny and sort of upbeat. Uh, I think there's a lot of physical comedy in there with the dogs. So it would be like bridesmaids except with dog walkers, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think it would be funny. I think it would be funny. So I'm, I'm working on it. I wrote one one half already. Oops, there goes my dog. I, I did one half already. And uh, in the re- rewriting part of it. And uh, so, yeah, that's the next. That's the next big project. Rewriting okay. the script. And it's not like you don't know anybody to Hollywood that you can actually submit it to, right? Oh, I have a ton of people. <laughs> and plus, you know what? It seems to me that um, they're making a lot of content. I mean, channels have channels now. Oh, you yes. You know, it's, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. They make everything. Well, I shouldn't say they make everything, but there's a lot of stuff out there. And uh, I, I feel pretty good about it. I just, you know, have a problem with procrastination. So I, I really have to stop talking and start writing it. Because I actually, and you say it, I think it'd be interesting to do it as a, as a sitcom, as a weekly program. Because I think giving you 30 minutes would be interesting every week. Yes. You know what? My husband says the same thing, like a series. Make it a series. Yeah. Yes. Like a, something you could just binge. Sure. Well, it, you know, listen, I'm open. And honestly, <laughs> I, I really believe Paula Poundstone needs a new vehicle. She really does. And that would be perfect for her. 
you know what? You're right. That's a great idea. Why not? Why not? I think Whoa, it'd now be, you're onto something. I think she would be excellent for that because I've seen her work in the past, and I love her on the uh, PBS program, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, um, because her humor is just so unique, and I think working with animals, she'd actually be fun. But you didn't call me to talk about casting ideas, but I could do that if you'd like. I mean, I'll be more than happy to. <laughs> and I'll send you hey, a bill if you get her. in Hollywood. <laughs> Everyone's in Hollywood, though. That's right. Everyone. <laughs> well, Laura, it's hard to believe that we've been doing this an hour right now. So I'd like to thank you for taking time with us this evening. And uh, good luck to you on the book. And I can't wait to uh, get my hands on it so I can give away a few copies to my audience. They're on their way. And it was my pleasure. And I hope that we'll get to talk again because I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you very much. And you have a great night. You too. And good luck with Scout. Let me know how he turns out. I will do that. I will do that. Thank you very much, and you have a great evening. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Oh, a pet sitter's tale. Laura Voyer, who was on the line with us tonight, actually a very enjoyable interview. We are going to be giving her a book away next week. Uh, We're going to be talking to her about that. Um, she sent copies of the book. Unfortunately, they didn't make it here in time for tonight's program, but we will be giving them away online and you'll be able to get a copy of the book and I'll probably have a trivia question or something that you can get a hold of us with. But anyhow, time flies when you're having fun. I hope you enjoyed the program. We're on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77. And I think I hear music. Yes, I do. Well, guess what? I am out of here. You have a great night, and thank you very much for watching and listening to Online with Bill Alexander. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.